Attention, listener, I have an assignment for you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to engage with the real nerds, a.k.a. the best podcast on the internet. You can listen to their episodes on their website, realnerdspodcast.com, and you can also listen to them on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and iTunes. Follow their social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This message will self-destruct never. This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of whatever pop culture event is happening in Colorado. I am Ryan. With me is Brad. What's up? And Zach. Hey, 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 hey. And every week on Real Nerds Podcast for 10 years, we have gone to the movies and podcasted our experience to the world. This week, our featured film is A Quiet Place Part 2. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where we will recommend this film or not, play the trailer and then spoil it. We're also going to talk about movie news, movies that are coming out on Blu-ray you can purchase, stuff we've been watching, a general merriment of movie extravaganza. Yeah. And the great tradition of other podcasts. <laughs> this isn't a this is an this is not an epic novel being translated to the screen, Ryan. <laughs> In the great tradition of other podcasts, we're the ones who set the standard. We were here first. We, we, we you know, I really think we have. You know, I no one can touch us as far as longevity. What we do. <laughs> yeah, what we do. Not necessarily quality, but longevity for sure. Yeah. No one can said, touch us in terms of refusing to give up. <laughs> yeah. Persistence. Yeah. Hey, I've heard that's key. <laughs> so, yes, uh, uh, you know, uh, hopefully you've uh, started listening to our Film Explosion episode from 1991. We had mm-hmm. a special guest on. And also, um, start preparing those lists for 2001, because it might come sooner than we anticipated due to our 500 ganza. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 500 episodes my god well and 100 actually, best ones of the 500 yeah okay I, I was actually thinking about this um gentlemen um you're thinking yeah i know it that's a dangerous a thing to do <laughs> um i know this is gonna might throw a little wrench but i also think this might be a lot of fun um because if we debate on which movie should go where I think it's going to be like an 18 hour long podcast. However, I was thinking that um, if you all send me your list, I'm going to assign a point value to how the movies are ranked. And then I'm going to unveil each movie based on where we put them in the rankings on points. Hmm. And then that way we can call people an idiot and the podcast will only be like three hours opposed to. I mean, that could be a, that could be a neat idea and it would save 18 hours of recording time. I don't know, Brad, you're the, you're the tech master. What are your thoughts on this? Well, originally the plan was to make like 
10 bonus episodes but now i guess we're just going to do like one episode <laughs> so oh, oh i see so you guys discussed this over the week without me and then i just no 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 <laughs> i uh i mean we're, we're within our rights to do that so oh yeah i know you this is this is your guys' show i'm just an interloper who kind of yeah, no i mean i was just thinking how it would be a little more fun that no one else knew and then we can yell at people and call them idiots oh yeah absolutely um, well, because... well who would not know because the three of us are here right now. No, but we wouldn't know each other. Like we wouldn't know yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what our rankings were. Similar to how you know everybody's film explosion lists, but you don't reveal anything or kick a fit yeah, when so, I put Saving Private Ryan at number five. <laughs> so basically what would happen is whatever film you ranked 100 would get one point. Mm-hmm. And then... um it would go up to your film. You ranked number one is a hundred. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, based on a point system, I would take that and rank them all. And um, then I would do the point system to do the hundred best films as voted by the real nerds, which is kind of like what the Academy Awards do. And um, it's kind of like what Corinne does with our film explosions um, on the articles that she does at the end of each um, year end film explosion. Yeah. Um, and the only and the only reason is I'm just trying to think of a concise show. I don't mind the bonus episodes, but then it'll just be arguments constant. I don't know. Just something I was thinking of. And it's a way to get everybody involved because um, just thinking to myself over these last couple of weeks, um, you know, getting uh, James and Henry and stuff might be a little more tricky. Right. And also, if we were in, in each other's presence for 18 hours, it might be like 12 Angry Men where we walk out very embittered, but we do reach a verdict at some point. Mm-hmm. And I just I just don't no offense to you guys, but I don't feel like recreating Sidney Lumet movies in my house. So <laughs> not this, not Dog Day Afternoon, nothing. <laughs> well, we can figure it out off show because like I'm starting to think, you know, my, my list right now was fluid you know i didn't like you know like a 51 and a 52 there isn't a difference they're just there but now if we're going to start ranking them like that it's like oh i guess i do need do need to like think about where i want certain numbers to like concretely be (laughs) Mm -hmm. whereas before it was like well you know these are kind of like 90 through 100 80 through 90 if you're just going to discuss them so yeah we'll we'll figure it out after the show we have to like take up this episode figuring it out and doesn't have to be right away it's just something i came up with yeah that i was thinking of um just to make a tighter show you were you were doing your winnie the pooh there you were think 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 thinking that's right corinne welcome hi hello sorry i'm eating some ice cream what kind of ice cream Mm, it's just like a little ice cream cone that's pretty vague. What kind of flavor? What? <laughs> I was like vanilla coated with cookies and cream or something. Okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to get inquisitive about ice cream. None of your business flavored. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <Yeah. laughs> it's just one of those like prepackaged cones you get at the store. Oh, right on. Killa. Right on. Well, we were discussing alternative solutions to the 500 episode. I don't have any input there, so <laughs> <No>. <laughs> do what you're going to do. Yep. 
you guys make this all up. No, but I mean, I, pretty much I, we do what Ryan wants to do. My show, my rules. Booyah. That's true. Well, except Speaking that one which, time we except that one time we watched Mank. I kind of coerced you into that. So. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of options that week. It's okay. Um, How do we know Ryan's going to score the movies fairly <laughs> if he mm. has all the data? <laughs> so what do you, I'm like, wow, number one is fucking Spider Man into the Spider Verse, followed by uh, Homecoming, and then No Way. I mean, uh, Far From Home. Really, I would be fine with Spider Verse being at number one. Ryan, yeah. Ryan, Amazing Spider Man Two can't be the number one list for the entire nerds. That's so weird that almost everybody put it on here. <laughs> it was on everyone's list. I don't know what to tell you. No, that's one movie that I'm pretty sure that even if I rank it somewhere in like the 40s or something, it might not make the top 100. They're leaving your darkness up here just to just pretend because. that we uh, <laughs> that you did the math right. Yeah. Yeah. No shenanigans th- going on. The only reason I, I uh, I'll, I'll move on really quickly, but the only reason I was thinking of this too is I was talking to James's mother and she had a hard time understanding the concept of um, uh, James's family. I'm sorry, James's family they had a hard time understanding the concept of what we were trying to do. So I'm trying to think of something a little more easy and concise. Um, but anyways, that's a topic for another show. Um, Brad, it is actually real movie season again. Which means you can go around town with Brad. Yahoo! Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, most theaters are open, uh, which means at the drive in, uh, the Holiday Twin has two screens, and on one of them, they're showing Cruella and Raya. The Last Dragon is nice. a double feature, and the second screen has Quiet Place Part 2 and World War Z. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Ooh, I might go to that. That's awesome. Uh, the 88 drive-in has Sonic the Hedgehog, Quiet Place 2, and World War Z. Nice. Warner Brothers getting in on that double dip. So, yeah, that's what's going on around town. Nice. You know, I also want to point out that the Denver West Regal is open. It hasn't been open for over a year. So in The West? Yeah. Yeah, nice. so those Colorado Mills. Yeah, Colorado Mills opened previously, then closed again, and then just mm-hmm. opened like two weeks ago. But mm-hmm. uh, the Denver West is open, like uh, legit open. So nice. that's as, good. As is and the it, uh, Greenwood Village Cinnabar, which has been closed yep. since the pandemic began. So Yep. And the Westminster Alamo opens next week, if I remember correctly. Oh, snap. I want to look at that Metropolis statue again. And uh, I was talking to somebody who was, I can't remember who I was talking to. Maybe it was James's mom. She said that the Aspen Grove is targeting July to open too. So oh, finally. Uh, I'm guessing uh, Black Widow. And I was talking to her and I think it'd be fun if we all went back there to see Black Widow. That's my I, think that, I think that absolutely needs to happen. In fact, we I, should just... It's my birthday, should... so we're going to do what I want to do. So. Well, <laughs> what do you want to do on your birthday, Brad? Uh, see Black Widow at the Alamo, duh. <laughs> <laughs> well, good news, sweet spirit. <laughs> I was you thinking we should we should Brad, record. Your tickets on me. Awesome. 
<laughs> I was thinking we should try to record somewhat within the vicinity of of the Alamo itself to celebrate that, but it would be pretty tricky doing a mobile. But that'd be a yeah, cool we can do idea. It. We'll yeah, figure it out. Glass f holes open or not? Ooh. Yeah. Um, cool. yeah, and I'm guessing the uh, like, what if the uh, season pass opens up, Ryan? You still want to give me that free ticket? <laughs> oh fuck yeah, bro! <laughs> yeah, I got to use my Regal Unlimited subscription for the first time since last fall. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. You know, it's really weird when you're out and about around town. Um, I am fully vaccinated, so uh, masks are optional. And um, I was at Sam's Club today, and they set up the uh, table for their uh, what do you what do you call it? Their their food court. I don't know what you call it. Um, but the tables haven't been set up there for over a year too. So now you can sit down and eat pizza again at Sam's Club. Mm, nice. It's, it's the little things in life. You know what I mean? Yeah, our, our stores start putting out the uh, uh, outdoor dining patio uh, umbrellas and such and whatnot. So we're getting back into that mode. So, yep. Things are moving back. I think that only leaves uh, the Elvis cinemas have not reopened and the Cher Artiste in Denver. Yep. So hopefully those are soon. Um, but it is really cool. Uh, you know, you don't realize how much you miss things until you, you haven't had them for a while and you're, you know, they're given back to you. Um, Distance makes the heart grow night, fonder. Yeah. Last night, the, you know, the avalanche were playing and I went to uh, this place in Lakewood called uh, Westrail Grill and it was packed with like avalanche fans and it was just, and they you know uh, Ball Arena downtown has 11,000 people in it now. And it's just kind of cool having that atmosphere again. Um, and hey, guys, we got vaccinated. There's a chance we could win one million dollars through the state. So, that- I need another reason to get vaccinated. <laughs> I gotta say, it is really weird to go places without a mask now. I feel like I'm walking in like naked or something. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. That's what happens with a year year of wearing it will do to you. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm still I'm still wearing mine because I'm just like you know what, better safe than sorry. Plus. I work in an environment where I would rather take that precaution than ignore it. So, yeah, people are gross. Yes, they are. They are disgusting, Brad. I have noticed that where I work, they are the absolute worst human beings on the planet. So, well, Zach's having a call from his supervisor tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I work at Bleep. <laughs> this is movie news. It's real news. All right, Ryan, you need to you need to start explaining some things to me. So, well, Zach, got... when a man and a woman love each other very much, <laughs> oh, oh, they have that, they 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 get married, right? <laughs> uh, Brad, get me Doctor Spock's book. <laughs> <laughs> you want the outdated one? Okay, uh, that's the uh, that's a Dick Van Dyke joke. I was gonna say, <laughs> oh, just yeah, grab yeah. it off the back of the shelf behind their their beds. <laughs> that's right um no uh the reason why i need you to explain some stuff to me is so uh aaron taylor johnson has been cast in craven the hunter for sony's upcoming spider-man villain universe movie now you've talked about craven the hunter before and you've had ideas of what to do with craven the hunter before can you give the audience a little bit of insight into craven the hunter uh craven the hunter is a russian aristocrat who traveled to africa to hunt 
the ultimate big game. Um, while he was there, he took some sort of herb that gave him heightened strength and senses. And after he got done hunting the animals in Africa, he thought hunting Spider-Man would be the ultimate game. You know, that old novel, the ultimate, or was it called the, the most dangerous game, most dangerous game. Thank you. Um, and yeah, so he uses his heightened hunting ability to hunt the ultimate prey, which is Spider-Man. It says in in this article that I'm reading that he first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man number 15 back in 1964. (laughs) The issue after the Green Goblin. Oh, Uh, so so it was a dip. (laughs) Why doesn't he use his abilities to hunt Thanos? Yeah, Yeah, well, he's not like that super strong, though. Um, Like he has heightened strength, but I don't think he's I don't think he's as strong as Spider-Man. This article um, says he uses primarily guns. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that those three issues in a row, uh, 13 was Mysterio, 14 was Green Goblin, um, 15 was Craven. So they're on a roll there for what, like the first 20 issues of Spider-Man have all his greatest villains. But yeah, um, but yeah I mean, he's an OK villain. He was never really that cool um, until Craven's last hunt and that kind of gave him a mystique because it's one of regardless one of the greatest spider-man stories ever mm-hmm. um, and in, in that one he tried to prove that he was superior to spider-man and um buried spider-man alive and dressed up as spider-man and hunted down um, this villain called vermin and when he was done with that oh sorry that's mickey um, and uh, <laughs> i don't know if everybody else heard my watch just tell me what time it was um I thought it was your wife asking about a towel. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when he was done proving his point to Spider-Man, Spider-Man showed up to and started beating him up and Craven didn't fight back. And he's like, I don't have anything to prove to you. And then he kills himself at the end. So, I mean, it's, yikes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a pretty dark story. Um, that, that's, that, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's intense. I wonder if director JC Chandor, who uh, <laughs> is best known for a most violent year in margin call, uh, who will be directing this film will be able to go into some kind of territory like that. But yeah, it seems like um, this I've, is falling in line with the Morbius and Venom thing. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting if he hunted vermin, but I, I think he, vermin's a really interesting villain. He's half, uh, he was created by uh, Baron Zemo and he's half rat, half human. And Oh, oh like rat boy on the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, one of my favorite Spider-Man stories is the child within and, the reason vermin is so vicious is because he was, it's a really dark story, but he was sexually assaulted. So he can't, wow. yeah, he can't um, reconcile his abuse with um, being this creature. So it's, they're like one in the same. Uh, it's, it's pretty deep. Uh, great stuff. But yeah, I mean, I guess it could work. I don't know. Craven the Hunter is really not that cool of a villain. Um, yeah. I think we'll you just see. described why vermin won't be in the Disney universe, but, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. but yeah, I mean, um, I, <clears throat> I'm, I'm willing to give, um, uh, another shot to the Sony workaround with the villain universe with, um, Venom two and, uh, Morbius. So this could be interesting. We'll see what happens. It might work. I mean, he is stories interesting enough where you don't need Spider-Man. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, I've got some news um, for uh, for all you Jackass fans. I, I, I regret to announce the obvious that Jackass 4 will be Johnny Knoxville's final Jackass movie. 
isn't he like 50 now <laughs> yeah in other news duh uh, um he uh in, in a quote during an interview he recently did with gq he said you can only take so many chances before something irreversible happens i feel like i've been extremely lucky to take the chances i've taken and still be walking around <laughs> yeah like getting in a car with your friend who drives really fast <laughs> wow no, we just into that one, but I, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 was mean. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, um, yeah, the, the, it's it's time for them to stop the stunt show. I, I, I there's a certain point where those bones just never recover. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I saw a flying dildo in 3D and Jackass 3D. So, but that it, and uh, here's another thing I want to bring up on that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure is that Ryan? Brad's favorite movie from that year. I can't remember. Uh, fourth favorite. Fourth favorite. Thank you. Um, you know, I will say when you've had the glory of Jackass 3D, I think a fourth one will only serve as just a nostalgia trip and not the epic conclusion to a trilogy because Jackass 3D was the movie we all needed at that time in 2010. Um, but yeah, I mean, the last time we saw him was in action point where he's still doing some stunts and whatnot. So I think this is like, this will, this is definitely going to have to be his last rodeo if he wants to stay alive to see 70. So. <laughs> um so uh yeah uh, uh what, there's some news for Brad too. Uh what, your new Wes Anderson will be coming out this October after it plays Cannes and New York Film Festival the French Dispatch is finally getting its release courtesy of Searchlight Pictures. As I say delayed. is your news that Jackass 4 French Dispatch and The Last Night in Soho are all on the same weekend? <laughs> oh shit, is it really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> that was leading into that. <laughs> Maybe that's why Morbius isn't coming out in October anymore. <laughs> yeah, when you've when you've got heavy hitters like that, I mean, there's nothing else to do. And Zach has um, Cry Macho that weekend too, so <sighs> I'll go. I'll go. I need to like rewrite a lot of that article series or like like update it with like, you know what? My thoughts have changed on these. So um but cry macho sure we'll see what happens with that um and um uh speaking of last night in soho we got a trailer for last night in soho uh for edgar wright's new psychological thriller ghost story kind of horror but it, it looks fun guys it looks fun i'm excited that's a great trailer i know it's fucking dope <laughs> He nails the '60s look and looks creepy. It looks what like I love he's... about Edgar Wright is nothing is on accident with him. Mm-hmm. All his stuff is very deliberate. Yep, we're go- we're going to be in for some kind of interesting wild ride, and it features, amongst other things, the final performances of many legendary British actors who left our graces the last year and a half. So um, there'll be your chance to see like people, amongst others, Diana Rigg and whatnot. So, um, and let's see. Um, do, Brad, are you the only one of us who's seen anything related to the Garbage Pail Kids, or Ryan, have you seen any of it? The Garbage Pail Kids, like the old movie, uh, the movie or the cards, whatever they are. You know? Oh yeah, no, I, I've seen the movie. The movie is literal garbage. Okay, well, do you want an animated series uh, from I, David Gordon Green? I think it translates better than a movie where a bunch of little people are running around in costumes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, definitely, especially today. But good news, you're getting that from HBO Max. <laughs> uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Danny McBride and David Gordon Green are going to be working on a updated version of the uh, Garbage Pail Kids for HBO Max as an animated series. Um, 
uh, they will be joined by Josh Bicell from the Hulu show Solar Opposites um, to write and co-create the series. Uh, so yeah, I am heretofore unfamiliar with them apart from the cards themselves and seeing them scattered about pop culture related minutia. So I am curious to see what this is, but uh, yeah, right on. Cool for them. Uh, and then we are getting uh, a Black Panther spinoff for OK, for uh, for OK. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I I'm curious, guys, like how many of these shows are we getting now at this point that I have to keep up with eventually? I don't know. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm, I'm, with I'm, it. I'm I'm excited that we're going to get a, um, a Black Panther spinoff. So that'll be fun. Um, and then let's see. Um, I guess I can just jump into the last two big pieces of news, guys. Um, first of all, uh, we'll start off with the second to most distressing news, which is that Amazon has bought MGM, uh, for $8.45 billion. Uh, and amongst other things that will be going over to Amazon will be James Bond, The Hobbit, Rocky and Creed, RoboCop, The Pink Panther, Stargate, The Sounds of the Lambs, Stargate, Fargo, Vikings, Handmaid's Tale, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so yeah, uh, we kind of talked a little bit about this with the whole Discovery Warner Brothers merger and whatnot. But how's everybody feeling about this? We feeling meh or whatever? Uh, it's uh, onto those Blu-rays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to happen eventually, and. Uh, you know, I, I shared an article about, you know, physical media and things like that and how streaming is just uh, ruining <laughs> the experience of movies, um, which this article is really great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's inevitable. Um, the mm-hmm. I, I guess the only good news that come, came out of it is the producers of James Bond own the, the rights for distribution, and they said that it's always going to be in theaters. So... I guess there's that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think Amazon would be rather silly to uh, try and uh, keep James Bond out of theaters. Period. Well, Amazon has released films in theaters too. I, I think in fact, they're better at it than Netflix is hands down. Everybody's yeah, I... getting up in arms about it. I'm like, guys, they're probably going to keep putting their stuff out in theaters. <laughs> well, I think the blockbusters will go out the theaters, but they might like relegate the low budget, mid range budget stuff to streaming only, which is, is sad. Yeah, or our houses only. It, well, it's hard to. I mean, the only thing with this stuff, it's hard to quantify um, how much money they make from streaming. I mean, how many people say, you know, I got Netflix for Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. You know what I mean? And how much does that? It, it just they're just counting on you know people just being subscribed, so they're constantly getting an influx of money. Um, I, I've never. I, I don't know if you guys are the same way. I've never kept a streaming service because something is coming out for it i just keep it because that's where most of the creative stuff goes now yeah um i my my fear above all fears is is that with anything because we're merging two different big corporations it means that the library the, the whatever archive library they have which mgm frankly doesn't have as many titles as I am uh, uh, concerned about in the grand scheme of golden age Hollywood, but in terms of the library that they do have, it's still stuff that I still want to see get physical media releases. 
and they technically still have a stake in the night of the night of the hunter uh the charles lawton film because that's one of the few early united artist acquisitions that they still hold on to yeah i mean my guess is stuff like that i mean there's a criterion for night of the hunter but right and it's still I'm, being made available so yeah I'm, I'm guessing stuff like that that they'll probably license out i mean shout factory has so many mgm product i mean and, and so does scream so i'm guessing there'll would be they? a lot of licensed out stuff oh yeah would scream it? has a ton of mgm stuff would they license it though because it like amazon's incentive is they want you to stick to prime streaming so having their you know blu-rays out there doesn't make that's the that's a lot the of sense well, for them I, I mean i would always push back the only reason i push back on that is um Disney has all their stuff on Disney Plus and their Blu-rays and uh, are constantly the top selling Blu-rays. So I think they would still do that. I, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know, but I, the, the incentive is and I've been saying this for a while is I think a lot of um, Blu-rays, whether it's Warner Archive or something like that, might start becoming manufactured on demand. And um, instead of having a plethora and a lot of extra product you might have to order it and then they make it for you um because you know vinyl never really went away either <laughs> but um no i think things will resurge and whatnot but um i mean ultimately the the bigger issue is is just that like i even if I, I would like to be optimistic on on ryan's side of the fence and say that they'll still license titles but regardless, I don't want them to use it as an excuse to withhold title availability the way some of the streaming services do. Um, or just say like, well, we're trashing it. We're like, we're keeping it off for a little bit, but then we'll bring it back eventually. And it's just like, this is why you got to pick up the physical copies if you want them, because that the rotation does happen. It's not that they take away the movies, but there is a rotation that they do. So if you're trying to watch it a certain day and it's not available, that's where physical media definitely comes in handy amongst other reasons. So um, you also but, have to worry about, you know, quietly editing movies on streaming, like, mm-hmm. you know, say Amazon's like, oh, you know, we don't want this con this piece of the scene in here anymore, so we can just take it out. And it's like, that's, you'll never notice uh, unless like you're a big fan of the movie. And, and you know, that's why I've been getting TV shows lately on Blu-rays and stuff because stuff like Community or the office um, stuff that I love, you know, they, they get taken off streaming all the time, certain episodes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, um, I think it's in a couple weeks, parks and rec come out on Blu-ray, which I already have the DVDs, but I want the Blu-rays. Um, but I'm going to get it too, because I mean, I don't know if I can't remember something overly, overtly offensive in parks and rec, but who knows? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've been watching SNL episodes and they're way edited, not just, you know, the fact that they have musical performances in there, but there's skits and like there's even, you know, the end of the show when they, you know, gather on stage at the end and say goodbye that are missing. Um, yep. So it's it's wild. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, though, um as long as they, as long as Amazon sticks with certain elements of its business that it's already stuck to in terms of maintaining theatrical release, I mean, I, I, 
I would like them to at least stick through to that as in terms of physical media. I hope, hope to God that they understand that what they're buying is much bigger than just whatever they've set up on their side of the camp. Like they need to actually give a shit. Um, and they have a chance to stand out from something like Disney where titles can become tricky to be available at times. Um, but uh, actually within this news, Ryan, <clears throat> I did not realize that this was such a, uh, a complete bafflement to people. So uh, I will do the service on this show for people who need to remind us. And Ryan, you can join on this in, with me if you'd like. Um, when I'm, when we're talking about the MGM deal and we're talking about Amazon, just because MGM uh, has its logo on Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind does not mean that MGM owns it. MGM's library from a certain period doesn't belong to MGM because MGM ruined its business several times over the course of history and was bought by several different things, which then ended up going into Warner Media. So if you want those two movies, they are available through Warner Media, both on Blu-ray, DVD, and on HBO Max. So, yeah. There you go. I did not realize that that was not known to people, but yes, that is why those two movies will not be coming to your Amazon Prime right away. You will have to still purchase them or rent them from Amazon if you want to watch them that way. Ted Turner wins. <laughs> How does this affect Orion movies? Because that's the catalog I care about. Uh, they are technically in conjunction with Orion, so Amazon owns Orion now. Well, yeah, duh, but I'm just like... It means those movies exempt like the wizard of oz and whatnot what uh oh. you know there is i'm guessing i mean i have all three robocops so i'm yeah i don't know how that works out. i mean they're technically a separate studio and they might have different distribution deals i, I don't know distribution with home media and movies is just a mess anyway well, so if, if you want any current indication bill and ted face the music which is an orion picture had its blu-ray distributed through warner brothers home entertainment so they might farm it out to other people who are willing to put out the physical media and cut a break with that so well, yeah uh, universal and warner brothers have teamed up so yes they have um so uh and then guys do we want the last piece of news the one that was the most tragic and probably broke Henry's heart? No. no. We have to talk about it, Corinne. We have to talk about it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Paddington 2 has fallen to 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Because uh, the article Zach wrote. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't me, I swear. Don't let him lie to you, Henry. I, Henry, Henry, listen to me. We've talked about this. I support the bear as much as I support the guy who ended up becoming far too overweight. No, um, uh, yes. Paddington 2 had recently been crowned as the number one film of all time on Rotten Tomatoes after Citizen Kane had dropped to 99% because of one bad review. And now it looks like the internet has decided to um, throw, it, throw Paddington 2 a curveball now. Um, a review from Eddie Harrison to Film Authority uh, wrote this about Paddington 2. This is not my Paddington bear, but a sinister, malevolent imposter who should be shot into space or nuked from space at the first opportunity. Overconfident, snide, and sullen, this manky-looking bear bears little relation to its classic character. And viewers should be warned. This ain't your mama's Paddington bear. 
and it won't be yours either. Maybe if you'd never seen the TV show and didn't know any better, this'll work. But long-term Paddington fans will find this too much to bear. Okay, this guy needs to just be thrown off of a cliff right now. <laughs> <laughs> this guy can get absolutely just fucked in the ass. Like, R- how R- dare he say R- that kind of thing about Paddington? R- R- Ryan, really quickly, I read at least three different puns in this review. Mm-hmm. I'm not this bad. I'm not this bad. <laughs> this guy's an asshole. <laughs> well, he's like that. I forget the name of that one um, critic who purposely... Uh, gives good reviews to shitty movies, mm-hmm. um, like an army uh, light. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's this guy's just a major troll. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. At the tool. end of the day, is just being a tool. Here is um, his. Here is his defense of himself. I reviewed Paddington Two negatively for BBC Radio unreleased in 2017, and on multiple occasions after that. And I stand by every word of my criticism. I, 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 I really don't. I mean, it's fine if he wants to have that opinion about the movie, whatever. That's fine. I mean, does he also kill puppies in his free time? Like, I'm just kind (laughs) of wondering here. (laughs) Okay. Now, now, here's to clarify. You know, if if you're a film critic, you know, like, you know, art is subjective. You don't have to like everything that comes down the pipeline. Um, But it does seem interesting that all of a sudden now this review is being tossed into the algorithm or the uh, aggregate for uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So... Seems like if you make a big deal out of what the percentages are of movies on Rotten Tomatoes, that's when the that's when everything starts to get knocked down a percentage. Um, like a review from back in 1941 that was recently dug up and then stuck into Citizen Kane's legacy and ruining my day. But um, I, I digress. I digress. Uh, so, yeah, now Toy Story 2 has taken the top spot once held by Paddington 2. It currently has a 100% rating with 169 reviews from critics. And if anybody tries to take that away from Toy Story 2, I'm going to roll my eyes at you, to say the least. Um, along I'll with do movie- more than that. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is all. Uh, let's keep in mind, fellas, that Rotten Tomatoes is an aggregate of several different critics. And the smarter thing to do would be actually to read the individual criticism, suss out the people who don't know how to write actual film criticism, and instead read articles that, while negative, may point out actual things in regards to film theory and film criticism. Uh, That's how you do this properly. But regardless, yeah, Paddington 2, still number one in our hearts, guys. Amen to that. Exactly. And Citizen Kane can get fucked. Hey, hey. I didn't make fun of Paddington 2. Why are you guys making fun of Citizen Kane? What the heck? Citizen Kane's boring. It's not It's not if boring. It, okay, Zach, if I have to choose between watching Citizen Kane or watching Paddington 2... I understand you that. you want to take a gander as to what I'm picking? I understand one that. One is an That's approachable a- and lovable film for all ages, and the other one is just, like, some guy doing bullshit for three well, hours. The the other one is an important film that stands the test of time as a story about the powers of corruption, which ended up being relevant for the last three to four to five years. But, yes, I understand Paddington 2 is much more entertaining and features Hugh Grant in an adorable performance. So, uh, anyway, that's news unless I missed anything. Oh, wait, uh, Ryan, I guess actually, Ryan, um, the HBO Max uh, Evil Dead Rises series, is that news or we've been already we've already talked about that, right? Uh, I mean, we it's going to debut on HBO Max is the okay. only news for that. 
Okay, cool. Then yeah, that's news. See, you don't, get a chance, <laughs> you don't get a chance to shit on Citizen Kane all that often, so I'm going to take every opportunity I can get, Zach. All right, that's fine. It's fair enough. It's fine. Let's go ahead See, and... Brad, they talked over you when you were trying to make an important point about someone who passed away because they don't care. Yeah. What are you going to do? I- I'm sorry, Brad. Go right ahead. Uh. Kevin McLeod, Murray from Mary Tyler Moore Show, and uh, mm-hmm. Captain Steubing from The Love Boat died. That's right, yeah. Mary so, Tyler Moore Show is a great TV show. Between those R. two R. shows, that guy. Dick Van Dyke, Ed Asner, and Betty White are the last people standing. <laughs> yeah. so. Kind of amazing that Ed Asner is still alive. Yeah. Wow. Are we all gonna go around and say like who is amazing that they're still alive? Because I go with Sydney Poitier. Like I cannot believe he's still alive. Yep. Yeah, sorry. Good yeah, sorry. Sorry. I haven't watched Mary Mary Tyler Moore in a while, so I don't remember him very well from it. So he's he's Murray. Okay. He's like the main character. <laughs> I understand. I haven't watched Mary Tyler Moore in a while. Brad, did that? Did... Well, why weren't you born like ten years earlier, man? I'm sorry. You have to talk to my parents about that. You know, Brad and I are old as fuck, so we used to watch Nick at Night, and those shows were always on. And, you know, you grow up. (laughs) You literally grow up with them. I loved uh, Dick Van Dyke and Bewitched and Mary Tyler Moore, and um, as I got older, then I just developed a huge crush on Mary Tyler Moore. So, Do you have a favorite moment that you have with Murray on the show, Brad? Uh, no, not really. I, he, he was the head writer of the news and, you know, he was always making fun of Ted Baxter being an <laughs> idiot. So, mm. okay. Yeah. A lot of great <laughs> moments. I can't really pick one. Blu-rays are coming out next this week, tomorrow. <laughs> DVD releases and Blu-rays. Hey, Ryan, before I announce the uh, Blu-rays, can you tell me, do you have any uh, wire hangers in your house? Yes. Yeah, you do? What did I tell you? No more wire hangers ever. <laughs> um, uh, that's a sly way of saying that Mommy Dearest is coming to Blu-ray via the Paramount Classics uh, series. So nice little new restoration of the Faye Dunaway Camp Classic. That is a adaptation of the Joan Crawford tell-all book by her daughter, Christine Crawford. Um, which has several different sources, but it's it's a it's an intriguing movie to say the least. Um, also coming to 4K, you can get Smokey and the Bandit. Yes, the original 1977 classic available for you guys on 4K. Um, you can also get at your disposal the first Tomb Raider movies, Tomb Laura Croft Tomb Raider and Laura Croft Tomb Raider: The Cradle of Life in a 4K two pack from Paramount Pictures. Um, and then let's see, uh, Ryan, you and I might, um, might be entering. I don't know. Were you a little rascals fan at all? Or, oh yeah. I love little rascals. All right. Well, that classic, are we talking about like the TV show or the movie? The one real, the, well, it was never a TV show. It was one real, it was one to two realers from the twenties and thirties by the Hal Roach studios. So there was never, they were packaged as TV shows, but they were shorts. Uh, and you can get. One's running from 1929 to 1930. 11 of these movies, uh, courtesy of Classic Flicks Restorations in the Little Rascals Blu-ray set. So include the shorts Small Talk, Railroadin', Lazy Days, Boxing Gloves, Bouncing Babies, 
Moan and Groan Incorporated, and then Shivering Shakespeare, The First Seven Years, When the Wind Blows, Bear Shooters, and A Tough Winter. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Uh, that that company is the same one, I believe, that put out some of the Laurel and Hardy ones, if I'm recalling. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, coming to Blu-ray, we've got a lot of things like coming out through, through Paramount Pictures. First of all, you can get in and out Kevin Klein from 1997 or as it's known on this show, President Steven. President Steven. Yeah. Wait, wait, I re- President I remember- Steven. <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you been able to dig up that poster since you told me about this in 2017? I know where it is. It's, it's on my hard drive. I'm, I'm going to see it. <laughs> it's just uh-huh. uh, that cover art plus president steven on it <laughs> i know i still wanted to see it and giggle at it um in and out though a uh, fun movie from frank oz so if you want to check that out you can also check out his adaptation of the separate wives from 2004 which is it's 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 it's, it's um it's a thing uh and then you can pick up rat race from 2001 uh the jerry zucker film or you can watch it's a mad 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 world which is the uh actual good version of that story um Lionsgate is putting out a director's cut of But I'm a Cheerleader, uh, the 1999 cult classic. Um, there is a movie from Jindy Tarvarsky called Primal. Uh, uh, this looks to be another piece of uh, Tarvarsky animation that looks interesting. I guess this is a season, so you can pick that up if you would like. Um, Disney is putting out some vault releases. Uh, you can get Herbie Fully Loaded, the Lindsay Lohan uh, Herbie movie from 2005. You can get The Kid from 2000 with Bruce Willis. I love that movie. Uh, the Kid, yeah. It is it. Does it hold up pretty well? Or I haven't seen I mean, it haven't since seen the theater. So. so yeah, okay. So I remember liking it when I was younger, but I don't remember. I don't remember a darn thing about it. Uh, also coming to 4K, Backdraft, uh, Ron Howard's firefighter movie that I enjoy. You can pick that up on 4K. Um, a new release coming to Blu-ray is The Courier with Benedict Cumberbatch uh, in some Cold War capers abound. Uh, and let's see. You can get a movie called Trackdown from Scorpion Releasing from 1976. Looks to be a Western of some sort. And The Blue Lamp. With Jim, Jimmy Hanley, Dirk Bogard, and Robert Fleming uh, from 1950. I've never heard of this, Brian, but this looks interesting. The guy, uh, the cop with a cop with an old timey cop hat on, looking lo- looking like epically at a bunch of criminals, and one of his eyes is a blue lamp. You're gonna break the law, she. Yeah, you're gonna break the law, and I'm gonna break my blue lamp over your head while I arrest you. Yeah. Um, and then Samurai Jack, the complete series, uh, is getting a uh, release. Uh, five seasons start spanning from 2001 to 2017. Uh, you pick that up on Blu-ray. Uh, a 1993 movie called Flesh and Bone with Dennis Quaid, James Caan, and Meg Ryan. Um, and yeah, looks to be about it, guys. Yep, lame week. We yeah. watched stuff throughout. I was gonna say I'm saving my money for Indiana Jones next week. Yeah, that's, oh, that's coming. Right. Next week's actually pretty damn. That's pretty Indy. 
You're insulting them and you're embarrassing me. (laughs) (laughs) This is what we watched this week. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what did you watch this week? Oh, so much stuff. Um, I'll start with today. I watched The Silence of the Lambs again. Um, And I did it with a commentary on. And I was surprised... um, the the commentary is uh, one of those splice commentaries where Jodie Foster, Jonathan Demi, and um, guy I can't believe I'm blanking on Anna Blechter's name right now. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Uh, <laughs> they're not in the same room at the same time, so someone just edited their separate commentaries together. Mm-hmm. But I was actually surprised, mm-hmm. like how much of the commentary is just like them admitting they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> you know, they just. <laughs> followed an impulse and you know fate had it that they turned into a great movie so that was kind of surprising um yeah and i didn't realize that uh george romero was in it oh yeah yeah well the doctors yeah um police guy with walkie-talkie um yeah um I've been forgetting to say that I've been watching The Bad Batch, Star Wars The Bad Batch, week after week. Any good? Uh, it's good. Um, I It's fine. It's just a little like, to me, it just feels like a CGI version of The Mandalorian. But like if they had four Mandalorians, because they're basically trying to escape the Empire while protecting a kid which is the Mandalorian, (laughs) but the kid's not, you know, the kid has a, it can talk. It has like a stronger personality. So uh, that's the difference, you know, has a little more autonomy, isn't as dependent on the Mandalorian. Um, So yeah, I'm just kind of, and I'm not sure where it's going, you know, so far they kind of planet hop and then, find themselves in new scenarios um, as they're just trying to hide the whole time. So it's five episodes in and I, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not sure where this is leading. How many episodes in the season? Do you know? I don't know. Probably 10. That seems to be, you think it'd be a good show. You think it'd be a good show to just like watch it once all the episodes are up? Probably. Um, Like it's very much like a sequel series to the clone wars. Um, like even the first title card takes the Clone Wars, lo- Clone Wars logo and morphs it into the Bad Batch logo. Uh, so I think people who have grown up following that, like it's very much for them. I didn't, so I, I feel like I'm starting a new thing. But the dynamic is just like, well, it kind of feels like the Mandalorian, but they gave us four Mandalorians and uh, brought up Grogu's age a bit. So... Uh yeah, and then um, let's see. I rewatched Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which I've tried to watch it many times before and just fell asleep <laughs> every time. Uh, but I didn't this time, and I felt like I remembered a completely different movie the last time I talked about it because this felt totally different. Um, and it wasn't as bad as uh I thought it was, but I did see. Very, like it very much feels like a lot of elements from Fury Rotor in that movie. Um, it's almost like a practice run for Fury Road 
uh, especially the finale of the movie. Yeah, I never thought it was a, a bad movie. It just is okay. Yeah, like the the opening part where they're in Barter Town and they yeah, they actually do the Thunderdome fight is like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah. when he gets exiled and like meets the kids, and they have yeah. that whole that whole expositional story of like, I think they like were on a plane that crashed. Um, and then they try to go back to Barter Town, and I'm not sure why they even go back to Barter Town because they don't need supplies. They just it's like the nearest town, but I f- where they're coming from, I imagine was closer. But yeah, they go there, cause a bunch of trouble, and then they do the basically the Fury Road uh, car chase uh, on the way back to their village. Um, except it's on a train; it's ra- it's on rails, and it's it's a train. Um, but it's it's kind of the same thing where they're all trying to jump onto it while racing their like cars and everything. Um, so yeah, it's all right. Um, and I also got to rewatch Bill and Ted's bogus journey, which is another movie I tried to watch a couple times and just not that it was bad. It's, I just didn't finish it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, it's, it's just kind of like a lot of nonsense, like fun nonsense and randomness. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a good way to describe that film. <laughs> yeah, like nothing. The yeah, like there is the Denomalous. What's his name? I don't remember. Like there is the thing of like that guy's trying, like builds robots that go out and kill Bill and Ted, and then they go to Purgatory and try to get out. But everything that happens along the way very much just feels like here's this random thing that we just like made up and is part of the story now and. Um, I, I I think the only really funny part is um them like playing board games to like <laughs> beat death, um, and death keeps like reneging on the contract. One more game. One more game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's fun. Um. Let's see what else are we gonna. What are we doing next week? Because I saw Cruella. I'm going to do The Conjuring, but we can do Cruella if you want. I saw Cruella too. Okay, so maybe I should just do it now, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, uh, in theaters, I saw Cruella and I actually had a ton of fun with it. I did not, I had very low expectations and it's visually gorgeous. Um, production design just knocks it out of the park. Um, and you know, I, I there's a lot of comparisons to it being, you know, the Joker because of the trailer, but um, it's actually better than that. <laughs> um, there's a big spoilery plot twist thing that I want to like reveal. Um, but like, if you're, I'm like the 101 Dalmatians is not a precious story to me, so I don't mind a revisionist take on it. Um, so the way they humanize Cruella Deville and make her a protagonist is actually pretty creative. Um, so I was on board. Um, it's just, I, it's a ton of fun. It's like, it has a, like a really good back and forth, like cat and mouse game between uh, her and Emma Thompson's character, the Baroness. Uh, yeah. Baroness. Um, like uh, Corolla had some like legit, like awesome, uh like comebacks like ways to destroy the baroness um that just build and build and build um 
they're actually like really kind of creative and well thought out. So uh, yeah, if you can check it out, um, yeah, I thought it's was, it was a lot of fun. So do they? Um, I guess I don't know if you can say this without spoiling spoiling, spoiling it. So is it? Um, is she the villain or what's going on? She's like an antihero, like I'd say, like Venom is. You know? Oh, okay, okay. Where she has a descent into like villainy, but it's like at some point, you know, she stops herself. Yeah, uh, like she... Maleficent. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, like Jasper and Horace, I think is the other one. You know? Yes. Um, like they all start out as like childhood friends, and then eventually, like as Cruella kind of embarks on trying to ruin the Baroness, you know, Jasper's like, you know, you used to be cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know i like that and that's not a quote that's just like the vibe of like you know yeah no no but i like that idea that's that sounds fun you know we're not your lackeys you know you know we'll help you to a certain point but this is getting ridiculous like how far are you going to go to ruin this girl and then yeah the movie does a good job of thinking like is she really going to like murder people and animals um or is like is are they going to you know bring her back from the edge and so yeah, it's um, and yeah, it has a pretty decent backstory. Like the, uh, her childhood is a little rushed, but I was surprised it was in there. I was just like, wow, they really started her like really early in the origin story. Um, oh, that's cool. And, yeah, like her as a child goes on for quite a bit. I was like, wow, like a lot of devoted to this younger version of her before even Emma Stone appears. So. Yeah, the movie was a little long. Like it felt like it should have been about fifteen minutes shorter, and it would have been pretty much perfect. Yeah, like sure, I guess time's not really a thing I worry about in movies. But at some points, I was like, I wish it would go on. Like I was kind of like, oh, this mostly because the the art direction was so beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. Like when she starts showing off all her own designs. Mm-hmm. like her punk ex- punk ex- inspired designs it's like i could i could take another 15 minutes of this right but i think it was just like after you get the kind of big revelation in the final third or whatever it was like okay like we already kind of know where this is going so let's like wrap it up here yeah um and i was uh it was cool to find out that the director also directed i Tanya and the fright night remake Mm. Um, he's a good director yeah um yeah and then the last thing i saw in theaters was dream horse um which is a movie about a welsh town uh where this woman i forget her name but uh she has a history of like uh winning at dog breeding um and you know the town's fallen on hard times and she just kind of gets like this uh bug to start breeding horses to race um and so she scraps up just enough money to buy um one to breed and then she convinces the rest of the town to pitch in like a share so basically the whole town owns a share of the horse so whatever they win they get to split um and it's just like a cute foreign movie foreign-ish movie um and for a lot of it i'm just like where's the adversity coming because so far they successfully bred the horse they've raced it it won you know when's the shoe gonna drop and then it does and you're just like oh god 
that's it. Like all these people own this horse. How are they going to decide? Like, how are they gonna make decisions on its success? Like everyone has a stake in it, especially when it breaks its leg, you know, the common thing is to put it down, but she's grown so attached to it. that She doesn't want to, and there's a chance that it could survive. So, you know, some, some of the town's like, well, I, I want to recoup my finances. I don't care about the horse and she does. And so that's where the dynamic gets like tricky. Um, so I thought it was pretty good. It's, it's, you know, just a kind of a small slice of life. It was, uh, you know, Mm. fun to watch um yeah that's it for me Ren. so jumping off brad's uh cruella review yeah i i was i kind of heard bad things going into it so i was i had low expectations to begin with um, I don't know. I just kept hearing like mixed things. Like some people on the internet said it was bad. And other people I talked to said it was good. And it's like, I don't know what's going on then. So um, yeah, it was good. Like Brad said, all the costumes were amazing. The performances were pretty good. I think it could have been a little shorter and I'm, I'm in the same boat as Brad as like, you know, 101 Dalmatians, it's like, yeah, I've seen it, but my favorite part of the movie was at the very end when the Labrador showed up, and I was like, yeah, because we had Labradors, and I was like, oh, I don't care about Dalmatians or whatever, like, no, nah, the Labrador is the coolest character in the movie, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, I felt like it was a really good, um, like, it was a really good Disney live-action adaptation in that you had, like, some elements from the original story but it was different and it felt like its own thing and I appreciated that whereas you know Beauty and the Beast and Lion King and whatever it's like shot for shot remake and it's so frustrating but here it was like all right we're just going to take the base elements of like okay you know you have Cruella DeVille and you got Dalmatians and you got Anita and Roger and they're kind of all there but they're not there to the degree that you would expect with the exception of Cruella, because obviously she's the titular character. But it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I liked it a lot more than I thought I did, or thought I would. So there's yeah, that. I, I saw a lot of the complaints were like, well, you know, this ruins the animated one for me. I'm just like, how? Like, yeah, this is a live anything, action. It's version. like a complete, yeah, it's like a completely different version of the story. It's not supposed to be like, a prequel or sequel or whatever like it's a completely different thing from and we'd have to get into spoiler territory to really talk about it but basically the events of 101 dalmatians i mean i guess it theoretically could still happen but it just wouldn't like make a lot of sense yeah like some people universe. actually think it's like a prequel to the glenn close one i'm just like well that was like 20 years old and you know, does it have to tie into that just because it's live action? And then I heard the book, like there's a sequel book to 100 Dalmatians where like, it involves space aliens. Is that true? I don't know. What? I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. People, people were defending Cruella being like, have you read like the sequel to 100 Dalmatians? It's like off the rails crazy. Ryan, do you have any no knowledge if Walt Disney was trying to make this sequel happen before he died? No, they made a direct-to-video sequel called scamps adventure 
But 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 it had but did it have space aliens? <laughs> Not that I remember. Adventures, Lady in the Tramp, isn't it? Is that thousand one hundred one? I don't know. I don't follow the direct to DVD stuff. Don't like they have one hundred and two Dalmatians? There is yeah, 100- there is. Yeah, there's 102 Dalmatians, but I thought that was a live action one. Yeah, that was the Glenn Close one. But there's been straight to video animated ones with like, I think it's like Spot's Journey or something. I, I, I'm going to uh, look up. Very creative, it's 101 they? Dalmatians 2, Patches, London, Patches. Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. Here's here's my question: Is the original one hundred and one Dalmatian still available to rent or purchase or watch on Disney Plus? I would think uh, so. Okay, I mean, I people... own the Blu-ray, so I don't know. Okay, so then it, it didn't ruin it for people. People people can still watch that movie. Yes, Scamp's Adventure is Lady and the Tramp too. The new pup arrives February twenty seventh. <laughs> That's the tagline. <laughs> yes. Okay, I was gonna be and like, it's wait, premiering wait. only on video and Disney DVD. Oh wait, only on video and Disney DVD? Crap! <laughs> yes. I haven't upgraded to a DVD player yet, Ryan. And yes, the original 1961 101 Dalmatians is on Disney Plus, along with the live action remake with Glenn Close, 101 Dalmatian Street, 101 Dalmatians Two, and 101 Dalmatians TV show. Okay, so yeah, didn't they didn't ruin it. Such a thing. They, so they didn't ruin it. You guys can still watch that version that you love. Yep. yep. Okay, I found it. It's it's the book, The Starlight Barking. <laughs> um, it, it's quite a few paragraphs explaining the plot, but the 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 thing we're focusing on is Pong. I'll just read this part. Pongo is chosen to make the final decision. He consults with the cabaret missus and the general. Three stray dogs approach and tell Pongo that no lost dog wants to give their last chance at finding special humans of their own by leaving Earth. This convinces Pongo and the others to choose their masters over Sirius. Um, while Sirius commends their loyalty to humankind, he has said that he will have to return to space alone. The dogs promise they will look out for him on nights when the dog star is in the sky. This, <laughs> Sirius this grants like them the ability to swoosh into their homes before daybreak, at which time everything will return. to It does sound like c- c- cocoon for dogs. <laughs> they'll never get older and they'll never get hungry. <laughs> yeah, I, there, there's way more to this uh, plot synopsis that I'm going to go into, but that's, yeah. It's a, he's offering them a chance to avoid the pain of possible nuclear war in the future. <laughs> He assures them the world when it wakes will not remember dogs ever existed and that all dogs will be free and no true bliss in the stars. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. This sounds all lovely, but this is a big jump from crazy fashion designer wants to kill puppies to make a fur coat to yeah. the, 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 the avoidance of the disaster of nuclear war by going to space. So, so yeah, I wouldn't get too hung up on the uh, continuity of the 101 Dalmatians <laughs> uh, s- saga. People. Brad, we need to make that movie. <laughs> I'm sure Disney will get there. Sorry, Corinne, continue. Okay, well, otherwise, it's been a while since I was on, so I'm going to hit some highlights that I haven't gotten to talk about yet. I watched Studio Ghibli's When Marnie Was There for the first time. And it's a really, really good movie. The art 
work and animation is just top notch, um, great voice work. And the plot, like once we kind of got into it, I was like, okay, it's either one of these two things. And then one of those ended up being pretty much right. And it didn't detract from the experience, but it was just kind of like, okay, where are we going with this? And then when it all kind of comes together at the end, it's like, oh my gosh. And it was like, oh, tears everywhere. So good. So the the reveal was basic in a sense, but it was like so well executed that you kind of just didn't care once you got to that point because it's like so emotional, you guys. So that's uh, that's on HBO Max when Marnie was there. I highly recommend it for everybody. And then I also watched the Disney series The Owl House. And it's really good. Um, it is a kid's show, and there are a lot of episodes that kind of feel like that. It's an animation. It's kind of in the style of, like, Gravity Falls or something. I don't know. I've never seen Gravity Falls. But I guess one of the people who worked on that show made The Owl House or something. So that's why it kind of feels similar. And it's it's good. The, the premise is that this girl, uh, Luce... She gets, I don't know, sucks through is not the right. She she goes through this portal into this magical world and she gets more or less trapped there. Well, not trapped, I guess, but um, she just decides to hang out there because she's supposed to be at the summer camp that she doesn't want to go to. So she's like, well, my mom's not expecting me to be home for three months, so I'm just going to kick it here with like her uh, mentor who's a witch and she Luce wants to like train in magic and be a witch. <laughs> And then um, there's, like, this little demon dog thing. It's hard to explain, but he's really cute. <laughs> and uh, so it's just different, like, little adventures that they go on. And they're some of them are kind of, like, typical kid show things of, like, there's a body swap episode. And there's an episode where Luce has to, like, figure out the value of telling the truth or whatever kind of stuff like that. So there's always going to be some kind of, like, moral lesson um, but it's good and it kind of builds so slowly that you don't even know what's happening. But once you get to like the final two episodes, all that groundwork and all the character development and everything that's happened, you're just like, oh, chef's kiss. Like it comes together so beautifully and the stakes are raised in a serious way. And the villain that they introduce is so cool. I'm like, oh, this is one of the best TV villains I've seen in a long time. And um, hmm, I don't want to spoil anything. So I won't even tell you who the voice actor is, but the voice actor for the villain does an excellent job. Uh, oof. So I'm really excited. Season two is supposed to be dropping, I think, June, July. I'm not, not entirely sure. But oof, yeah, the Owl House. Um, really good. It's worth watching just to get to those last two episodes where everything kind of comes together and like you start to see like, oh, this show's got real potential here, guys. It's not just like a doopy kid show. So there's that. And then, uh, yeah, I watch Cruella and um, I mean, a bunch of other stuff, but nothing really interesting. Those are the big things. So that's what I've been watching. Zach watched a movie that I don't remember much of uh, with Kirk Douglas called Two Weeks in Another Town and it's the follow up to 
the bad and the beautiful, which when I first saw it, which I think was on like TCM or something. Um, the first time, the only things I really remembered about it were it was about making movies in Italy and that I liked Kirk, Kirk Douglas in it. But um, it's um, knowing that it's connected to the bad and the beautiful That's after cool. the uh, discussion that I had on uh, Ballyhoo with Ryan Johnson about it. Um, I've been uh, I-, I was noticing the different flourishes that Manelli ports over from bad and the beautiful into this one. If you don't know the story, it's about a guy. Uh, Kirk Douglas plays an actor who is all washed up and is uh, called upon by his former, his old directing buddy to come to Italy to be, play a bit part in the movie. And then is tasked with basically finishing the movie for his friend who is basically washed up and can't get the financing or the approval for additional filming time. Meanwhile, he also falls in love with Sid Charisse because she's Sid Charisse. And why wouldn't you fall in love with her? Uh, and, um, Features Edward G. Robinson in it as his uh, old director friend, and in a, in a performance that I think, like honestly, like rewatching it, it's, I think this is one of I would put this in the top tier of Edward G. Robinson's performances because it's the most unexpected thing you'll ever see. Like if you're looking for if you're looking for the typical tropes of an Edward G. Robinson performance, whether that be gangster or you know, smart talking wise guy, like he actually is like kind of put through an emotional ringer in the movie. That's a very interesting thing to watch. Um, the movie itself is a little off its rocker, but it's so damn ambitious of Manelli to try to do this that I really appreciate it. So, uh, and Kirk Douglas as I, the one thing I remembered from watching it previously, which still stands is Kirk Douglas is pretty damn really good in this movie. Like he, he, he really is solid. He, he 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 engages in this material in such an interesting way that I'm like, you know, you're kind of dipping into the melodrama territory, but I just really love what you're bringing to the table here in terms of this washed up actor who's kind of like aware of how the business works. Um, and um, so, yeah, that's it. And then I've been going through the uh, I went through the first four seasons uh, or the first three seasons of The Simpsons. Um, and so I started from season one into season three Um I actually found a lot of things to love about season one that I had for, like, I, I hadn't rewatched seasons one and two for years and there's still a lot of damn good stuff in seasons one and two. Um, the pilot, the, the, the episode that was supposed to be the pilot, some enchanted evening, which then got ported into the season finale because of production issues is a really solid Simpsons story. Um, it has Penny Marshall playing the Miss Botts, the babysitter bandit. And uh, you also get first appearances from Kelsey Grammer and uh, A. Brooks <laughs> uh, in a couple of different episodes, actually, for Brooks. I've forgotten about Life on the Fast Lane, where he's Jacques, the, the man who's seducing Marge at the bowling alley. Uh, and then season two, they really find their stride and they're really understanding what the show is and what it can do. Um, the first episode with Phil Hartman arriving, not just as Lionel Hutz, but also the voice of uh, heaven's announcer telling Bart not to spit over the escalator to heaven (laughs) uh, is really damn funny. Um, And uh, by the time I got to season three, like everything's, everything's like right into gear, what it's going to be. And I, I, I'd be hard pressed to try to start trying to rank, any 
episodes in particular in terms of my favorite of all time. But I think what I'm going to end up doing is trying to track at least the top three episodes in each season. Um, so like for season one, I think I would put it crusty, but gets busted at number one with some enchanted evening at number two for myself. Um, and then also Simpsons roasting on an open fire, which is the um, uh, Christmas special because it is like the, the undeniable great one, but season two, like it, it was filled to the brim with great stuff, but I think I would put in Marge's Marge learning to reclaim her love of painting uh, which has Ringo Starr, and it still has that great line of uh, Ringo Starr going, thanks for the lovely picture. I hung it on me wool. Um, and uh, Three Men in a Comic Book is a pretty damn funny, it's still a damn funny one about them trying to all buy Radioactive Man number one. Um, and Blood Feud, where uh, Bart gives Homer, uh, Bart gives Mr. Burns a uh, blood transplant, and, and they have the whole uh, let. Homer writes a letter of anger to Burns after all he sends is a thank you note. And it has that great moment of Homer going to the post office going, hello, my name is Mr. Burns. I believe you have a letter for me. Okay, Mr. Burns, what's your first name? I don't know. (laughs) Um, And and, uh, yeah, so there's there's a lot to go. For season three, I'm still trying to rank it, but I think I would definitely put Black Widower in there because... You know, the the Krusty gets busted. The one thing that is sad about it in certain respects is that Kelsey Grammer's only in it for so for a little bit. So he's not given a chance to lay into the side character. Um, What the heck was that feedback about? Um, uh, So uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's been a fun ride so far. I'm excited to go into it. And then. I took a break because I'm going to be on a podcast uh, this coming week uh, talking about Sherlock Holmes for Pop Culture Brews. And I decided to uh, rediscover some Sherlock Holmes stuff that I don't normally go back to. And one of them was the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes series that Granada TV did with Jeremy Brett. So, uh, Corinne, are you a Jeremy Brett fan when it comes to Sherlock Holmes or are you not aware of this? I mean, I'm aware of it. I've just never seen any of that. All right. This I'm is... more familiar with um, the CBS. Is it CBS Sherlock? And then, of course, the BBC Sherlock. Oh, so CBS it would be Elementary. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, that Elementary. With, yeah, and then BBC is uh, Sherlock with mm-hmm. Senior Cumberbatch and Senior Freeman. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, Corinne, I think you would enjoy a lot. Um, I thought of you the moment that I went back into this. So, a, a bit of history when I. When I when I saw episodes of this initially, um, I was not a fan. It was when I was younger, and so now that I'm older, and now that I enjoy being patient with stuff and observing somebody's performance, I really, really love Jeremy Brett as Sherlock Holmes. He's not my favorite Sherlock Holmes. Nobody's going to be replacing Basil Rathbone for me anytime soon. But Jeremy Brent is Sherlock Holmes. I totally get it. He is Sherlock Holmes. He envelops that character perfectly, almost to a like to a damn, damn like, just it's damn perfect. Um, it, like right from the get go, within the first episode when they're doing a scandal in Bohemia, and they have him observing Irene Adler at uh, at the premises of at on the premises of her where she's has her next target or her next love, and. Uh, Holmes is adopting a disguise. Normally when a Sherlock Holmes actor adopts a disguise, 
it's pretty easy to tell that it's Sherlock Holmes right away, depending on how who's filming it and how they're showing it and who's playing the role. But Jeremy Brett fooled me for a good <laughs> 30 seconds to a minute of going like, oh, my God. wait, Oh, oh, it is Holmes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it shows the commitment that Brett brings to not just playing Holmes, but playing Holmes, playing a character that Holmes has to play to go undercover. Um, it's, it's pretty damn wonderful. Um, and their, uh, version of the Naval Treaty was really well shot. Like the, this is the thing about the Granada show that I'm noticing is like the cinematography is like absolutely beautiful to look at, um, in terms of like, in terms of any type of, you know, British production at that, at the time in the eighties, but especially this, just looking at how they use the space and the locations and direct their actors. It's just fantastic. Um, so yeah, I got this through a subscription to BritBox on Amazon. So now I have BritBox. So maybe you'll expect me to sound more like Corinne within the coming months going through all of BritBox's material. Um, so yeah. Um, and then uh, for further Sherlock Holmes research, I hadn't rewatched the Guy Ritchie movies in a while. And I like those films a lot. So I went back to them in a double bill last night um, for Sherlock Holmes uh, with Downey Jr. and Law. Uh, it's a great kickoff for those characters and the, those portrayals of the characters. Um, I, I, I've started like digging into this last night and finding out that people, not everybody's a big fan of this, this particular series of Sherlock Holmes films and their portrayals. And I would, I would defend, I would defend these films by saying that like they do a good service in peaking interest of Sherlock Holmes to people who may not otherwise have given Sherlock Holmes a second thought in the world of today. Um, and I'd argue that they, that Downey and law bring back the cinematic fun of watching Holmes and Watson on screen. They're not like definitive Holmes and Watson, but they are really damn good at providing an entry point for people that I appreciate. Um, and Downey Jr. is really damn fun in the movie. Like, he's just fun to watch. Um, but I will tell you, I used to love the first one over Game of Shadows because I used to have issues with Game of Shadows. Rewatching Game of Shadows, I think I'm starting to flip on this because I really liked going back to Game of Shadows. Pretty much everything is working on the cylinder that I want it to. And I really like Jared Harris's um, Moriarty. Um, it's not the best Moriarty, but it is a really damn good Moriarty. And that scene where they have stopped the assassination and they're playing the chess game and they're going over their final moves and you see Moriarty and Holmes both calculating out what the move is going to be with them in the fight over Reichenbach Falls and just the way it's executed to carry out the fall at Reichenbach is absolutely superbly constructed to my mind from a visual standpoint. Like it just looks fantastic. Um, so yeah, um, uh, the, the, the only criticism I still kind of have from game of shadows is w when they do the little stinger at the end where they reveal that of course, Sherlock Holmes didn't fall die at Reichenbach falls. Um, and they have him writing a question mark at the end of one of Watson's stories. I'm like, okay, I don't need that, but I'm fine. I'll deal with it. Um, so yeah, if you haven't checked out the um, Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes films, you should. And I hope we get a third one. And I hope it's I, I hope it's a cool tale. So uh, yeah, and that's all I watched this week. Uh, yeah, I um, 
watched a couple things. Uh, I watched the uh, Friends reunion on HBO Max. Um, it was fun. It's more of, uh, hey, let's interview the stars of the show about how they felt about the show and how they are today. Um, they had a bunch of guest stars on. Uh, I guess the biggest one was Lady Gaga singing Smelly Cat with Lisa Kudrow. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was fun. If you're a big fan of the show, it's kind of fun to go back and see all the uh, characters or the actors um, talk about what it was like to make the show. And they do some fun bits on it. And I, I mean, I guess the coolest thing is, is it's an hour and 40 minutes. So it's not just some quick 30 minute thing. Uh, it's always kind of fun to watch. I, I love Friends and um, just fun to revisit that stuff. Uh, I watched the Angelina Jolie movie um those who wish i was dead or something like i don't even remember the name i didn't like the movie that much those who wish me dead there we go that's what it is <laughs> and uh, it, it's it okay so the movie is she's some firefighter in a national forest or some yeah something like that and the year before, there's a huge fire, and she doesn't recognize the wind changing, so these three kids die in the fire. So she's, you know, she's reckless now, guys. She'll get drunk and open up a parachute out of the back of a pickup truck. Um, and then there's this subplot where this guy and his kid have to escape because these bad guys... Uh, played by Beast from X-Men First Class and um, Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Uh, they are killing people because they know stuff about these guys. They never really explain it. It's a lot like Mission Impossible 3 with a rabbit's foot, but you forgive Mission Impossible 3 because it's a cool movie. This one, do you ever watch a movie and you're saying, man, did I miss a scene or something? Because I don't understand. It seems really weirdly edited mm-hmm. you know like i missed yeah. some exposition but nope like, i i thought so in this movie but nope <laughs> it's it it's disappointing because it's uh the writer of sicario did this and i thought it'd be a lot more yeah cool. this, is, this is his follow-up from wind river i think which yeah so, yeah this is kind of disappointing to hear no oh. yeah i mean there's parts where <laughs> she's running across a field with the kid so anyways the dad gets killed for some reason, and then the kid runs away, and Angelina Jolie has to help him. Whatever. Um, and the there's a part where they're running across an open field in the national forest, and there's lightning striking, but there's no like build up to it. And all of a sudden, the, Angelina Jolie and this kid are friends. It, it's bizarre. Um, it seems like they edited some stuff out. I don't know. How long is the film? Uh, an hour and 40 minutes i think oh shoot that's quick <laughs> yeah but like it's but like i was watching and i kept on thinking i missed stuff and so i would go back like you know i'd hit back on my controller to rewind it and i go no i watched this scene and the scene literally just jumps to this part where they're running across the field and then they stop running and duck so they don't get struck by lightning and then angelina jolie gets struck by lightning for some reason i don't know I guess because it looks cool is the only thing I can think of is why it was in the movie. Um, I don't know because I heard mixed things about it, but I was hoping that it'd be better. 
And, you know, you get to a point, I think we mentioned it a few weeks ago, but, you know, there's so many revenge films now that it's become, that's what it is. You know what I mean? And whatever. Um, But Ryan, vengeance must be had. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I dug into the 4K of Last Action Hero. Um, It's pretty fun. Uh, Obviously, the movie's great. And it's interesting listening to John McTiernan talk about it in the commentary because he talks about how much he hated it, too and shoot how bad to totally add that to my watch list <laughs> oh shit yeah but he yeah i guess yeah brad we were texting during it. it he talks about how much he had no faith in the movie and how many mistakes he made making the film it was really bizarre listening to the commentary um, yeah it was really a yeah what i did wrong it, it didn't start out like that you know um but i think halfway through he realized that he wants to make small intimate pictures and not blockbusters yeah because he mentioned a lot of times in the film well uh, during the commentary that he says yeah it's just there's too much money and you know you just had to keep on making it bigger and making it bigger and making it bigger because this was supposed to be the biggest movie of all time yeah. and and like from uh, the marketing standpoint like that's what you expect from like all these elements together but the script shane black wrote is not that yeah and that's what they committed to making because he says like yeah we shot everything in the script so you know he he didn't change anything or add to it It it's just like or even pare it down it was just like yeah i you know my only criticism always for the film and he mentioned this is it's too long there's just you know there's there's a pacing issue towards the end of it um but i still think it's a great film and i mean it looks I can, it looks amazing on 4K. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's cool because I've never seen it look so great. And I'm noticing details like on um, Danny's jacket. It has like cracks and it, it just, it looks amazing. Um, it, really, the soundtrack too gets a huge boost from the 4K. Um, so, yeah, that was really fun to watch. The, the making of is from like, a, that's the definitely. Bummer yeah like an epk it's it's um, it's like a convention promo thing you know like if yeah it's like something you'd see playing a blockbuster while you're waiting for the movie to come out on video cassette exactly you know? yeah um and the deleted scenes really didn't add anything when they had an alternate ending i was excited but the alternate ending is him leaving the movie theater and his mom being there you yeah. go oh cool <laughs> uh, what other movie did I, did I compare that to? I was like, this is the same ending as this. Oh, shoot. What was it? Certain commentary that was recorded by two friends of mine. Yes. I mean, we should have been on there for sure. Yeah. Um, but and then the, the trailer's not even like the best trailer. <laughs> no. The, the trailer's interesting, though. At least it's different, I guess. <laughs> I've never seen that trailer before. Have you? I think I, when I was looking for trailers for like a film explosion, I saw that version, but I was like, this sucks. I'm going to find a different one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's still a fun movie. Oh, um, the the ending's like uh, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when uh, yes. Danny and his uh, dad, Charles Pennington, like reunite after the Shredder fight. It's like and, Danny and his mom in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally right. Even has some of the um, same dialogue because like, I, I almost expected him to say like it's just Dan now. 
<laughs> but yeah, it was, I mean, it's cool that it's on 4K. And I mean, the Steelbook has the original box uh, art. Um, yeah. You know, there's stuff. I, oh, the transfer is amazing. Okay. But, you know, even the Hamlet part, I noticed a lot more in it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Uh, you should pick yeah. up Last Action Hero. Support that film. It's, um, like, that, it's the best version we'll probably ever get of the movie. So yeah, know, just enjoy you... what we got. But that was the <laughs> argument from the get go that you guys had been expounding upon for a couple of years was just a at least at the very least a good transfer of it. So at least you did get that. So yeah, it's like yeah, like we can't expect too much more. Like especially in the deleted scenes and bonus like behind scenes department because like. I mean, sure, it's out there, but because the movie is so successful, there's probably not a lot of, you know, people's photos or stuff on set that they can put on the DVD, you know? That too. And I think it's so, um, there's a lot that happened behind the scenes that I'm guessing you could probably never get Arnold Schwarzenegger to do, you know, something really candid. Um, I mean, not because he's, he wouldn't be willing to, maybe he just doesn't want to throw people under the bus, you know? There's also legal reasons for not making documentaries in terms of signing releases for using footage of actors that hasn't been already previously released. So if you like show that stuff in there, like Scream Factory talks about this anytime they're interviewed, like not every special feature is possible because of the litigation involved. So. Yeah. Yeah. And um, since the director but, feuded with the producers, <laughs> sure, oh, yeah. that's oh, not yeah. going to end up in there. Yeah. I mean, McTarran's pretty honest in his commentary, so that's probably the best you're going to get. Um, it did make me go down a Last Action Hero rabbit hole. Tomorrow, I have the uh, novelization of Last Action Hero arriving in the mail. Uh, it, it was only five dollars. Own deleted scenes. Totally. So I'm going to read it. It's only it's five bucks, and if I remember reading right, I think it's only 140 pages. So I'm hoping it's a quick read. Um, and uh, the last thing I watched was uh, Army of the Dead. Um. You know, it's all right. <laughs> not as fun as his Dawn of the Dead. No, not even close. It, it's everything oh. I, um, Zack Snyder films are, where they look really cool. They, uh, you know, they have some cool moments, but they're too long and the story's garbage. So, oh, that sucks. Um, I mean, it's not horrible. I mean, there's some fun parts to it, but do you, th- do you uh, think it'd be fun if I went to the theater for it? Because it is showing at Landmark Greenwood Village, so yeah. I mean, I might try it in the theater. Um, the problem, you know, you're streaming it on Netflix, and I guess it's actually how he shot it. But there's some really weird, um, like out of focus shots, and um, I mean, the gore is really great in it. The gore is mostly practical. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, and the, the the zombie lore is pretty fascinating in it um so yeah i mean it's it's fun but also it's also like two hours and 35 minutes or something and that's a long movie (laughs) that's 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 your netflix bargaining chip baby you get all the time you want yeah i mean netflix already said that that is the Zack snyder cut of (laughs) dead so and you know i've noticed that with a lot of netflix stuff is there i mean it's cool and it also backfires because i think netflix films actually have a feel to them mm-hmm. um because i think they struggle with pacing a lot and that um and i do I'm, I'm with brad i don't mind movies being long um 
if they have a story to tell. But mm-hmm. you know, well, Netflix movies with, are engineered to keep you signed in for as yeah. long as possible. So and, and yeah, I don't know. You know, it's there's some stuff that you really don't need, and um, I mean, Dave Bautista is really great in it, and. Uh, there's some really cool action scenes. I feel like I say this about every Zack Snyder film. You know, it's there's some great action scenes. <laughs> the story kind of meanders, and then it suffers from some pacing issues. And that's, but I always say too, you know, Endgame is three hours long, but it doesn't feel like three hours. Um, it, it Zack depends. Snyder's Army of the Dead is two and a half hours long, and it feels like two and a half hours. It, 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 you know, I mean, it's it's a subjective point of view thing, but it is also like ultimately there is overall pacing that will identify itself for anybody. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, you can still make the film two and a half hours long if you cut it properly. But you know, Zack Snyder does a lot of slow motion shots. Yeah, and and a lot of, um, I mean, there's a part where they're running through the casino and they're just uh, taking out zombies, which is really cool. And then it just grinds to a halt. I mean, uh, yeah. Oh. Um, oh, that sucks, but I, I'll still go. Yeah, I mean, you should still, I, I should, I mean, people should still check it out. I don't think it's horrible. I think I gave it three stars because there's still some fun parts in it. Um, but yeah, just with the caveat that that's what it is. <laughs> right on. Uh, yeah. And that's what I watched this week. This week, the real nerds visited the theaters and saw a quiet place part two. Corinne, did you see this film? I did, yeah. I wasn't planning to because I haven't seen the first one, but um, some friends of mine were going to go and there was an extra ticket, so I kind of got guilted into taking it. And but and I was like, well, seeing it with friends, it'll be fun. And yeah, it was a good time. I really enjoyed it. Nice. Zach, would you recommend A Quiet Place Part 2? I appreciated them uh, expanding on the uh, expanding on their version of the lore a little bit, um, whether through prequel or uh, follow up from the first one. And I really liked Cillian Murphy in the movie, and I, I'm I'm hoping to God we continue to see more of him because it's every time he pops up in a movie, I'm super excited. But then it feels like he goes away for a couple of years, so I'm hoping we get a, a Murphy Assance. So. Um, and the whole cast is wonderful. My, Emily Blunt kills it again, as per usual. Um, we'll talk a little bit about it after spoilers. There was there was something I noticed throughout the pacing of the story that I kind of wondered, you know, if if one thing got taken away in favor of another, and I'm curious what other people think. But yes, you should go see it. It's a lot of fun. And once again, Krasinski is mastering that work with dealing with silent cinema and dealing with the sound design. It just, it it all works perfectly brad do you recommend a quiet place part two uh yeah despite being completely taken out of the movie by a couple chatty people for the entire (laughs) runtime um, where did you see it at uh the meadows real meadows Mm. (laughs) Um, i wasn't the the i wasn't the only one in there with them so it's even more frustrating that none of the people that were also there bothered to do anything about it so I just feel like I'm taking crazy pills that like people aren't bothered by talking. It's like, it's a movie that's mostly silence. How could you not be bothered by these people just interrupting everything? They even laughed at like some messed up parts. I, yeah. Um, but despite that, parts, um, yeah. 
What? You're not the only one who dealt with that. I had people talking in my theater too. Um, I fucking get it. Yeah. I had a guy who is a friend of a friend, like two people down from me. He was like hacking really loud through part of the movie. And at the very beginning, he like spilled all of his like popcorn and drink and stuff. And it was really loud. <laughs> wow. So uh, it's all right. Not quite as bad as your experience, but it's not like, it, yeah, when it is like quite like that, it's really hard to do any kind of noise. Yeah, it's like there's these moments of it's building tension and then they like that person just ruins it. And like when the sound is like completely zero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the the funny thing was like in Cruella, um, I thought I was, you know, like five minutes in the movie. I'm like, sweet, I'm the only one here. And then these two girls showed up. And I was like, oh, here we go. And turns out they were perfectly pleasant. They didn't say a damn thing until the credits when they're like, that was actually pretty good. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, Quiet Place. Um, yeah, it's for me, it's pretty much the same experience as the first one. Um, a lot of great tension in the movie. There is one moment that I was just like, why did they do that? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why? So I'm hoping you guys can clear it up for me um, when we get to it. Uh, yeah, I think this movie was awesome. Um, it's, it's a, uh, Zach touched on, it's a master class, not only in sound design, but I also think uh, movement of the camera and building tension and unlike you guys i actually had a great audience and i was at a sold out alamo screening of it well that's and yeah, you did it right you went to the alamo yeah so i went to the yeah it was sold out um you know they still had the uh staggered seating but every row had people in it and uh it was quiet when it was supposed to be quiet and people like yelped when there was jump scares, but I like the jump scares in this movie because they weren't um, forced. Um, They're not cheap. <laughs> no. So uh, yeah, I think you should see this film. And actually, I, uh, I mean, Corinne is a great catalyst. For, I don't think you need to see the first one to see this film. Um, yeah, there were maybe a- yeah, there was maybe one or two things that happened that I was like, I don't really get that. But otherwise, it was pretty intuitive. Yeah, and you know, because they give you the kind of day one so you kind of know what's happening um but it's yeah it's awesome and yes emily blunt is amazing here's a trailer for a quiet place part two
uh, Quiet Place Part Two opens uh, quite smartly, I think, uh, to help people like Corinne who have not seen the film. Uh, day one of this, now we know, alien attack. Um, and, you know, you, you're really sucked into the world again, which is really great. Um, and where people just go about their lives, how it normally happens, and then something catastrophic happens, and who stands up and who makes a decision uh, that helps everybody. And it's interesting when you see uh, Lee, uh, John Krasinski's character, figure out that it's sound that they recognize. Uh, and but what I loved about this film too is anytime uh, his daughter was the focal point is there was no sound in the film. It was completely silent because she's a, a, uh, a deaf uh, girl and in real life, she's deaf as well. And she's a incredible actress, by the way. Can we, um, can we, Ryan, you mentioned that, um, that perspective thing, the shot at the beginning when they are first moving around with Krasinski and then it shifts within the same camera movement into her perspective and the sound oh, yeah. dips, it dips. It is just fantastic. Like that, that's where that, that's that sound design I was talking about. Like he's moving in, he is finding new ways to deal with the sound, sound design in a way that I think even top the first one in certain respects. And like, that's what I mean too. Cause if he's a master, he moves the camera and he'll move it to her and then cut the sound immediately mm-hmm. it's it's really fascinating um anyways it, it fast forwards to the end of the first film and um where the abbott family has to leave the farm because uh it's been attacked and they can't it's not safe there anymore and they stumble upon um uh emmett i think i can't remember i think that's his name his name's Julian um, murphy know it yeah. <laughs> and uh he held he tells him he lived you met him on the first day and they were friends and uh, you find out that his whole family has died and he's lives in this steel factory i guess and uh yeah the foundry and then, of sorts <laughs> yeah the daughter finds out that there's a hidden message on the radio and she sets out to find um this island with um the where why the song's playing from there so she and then, can yeah, use her earpiece to broadcast into the into the way into the you know farther yeah. reach. And that's I mean, that's pretty much the plot. <laughs> it's it's really great though. I um you know, there's moments in this film that it just is is pretty, you know, heart wrenching. Um uh, you know, when you first meet uh, Emmett and uh he helps the Abbott family. And he's saying that you have to go. And Emily Blunt says, you were our friend once. You were our friend. <laughs> and um, it's just, there's moments like that that I think that elevate this film where, I mean, you're taking a B movie concept of monsters coming from outer space and you're making it a truly remarkable film by having a master direction, sound design, actors, and you elevate the material um to heights you know and and that's what he did with the first one and the second one the the one thing that i it took me a while to kind of settle into this was the shifting we're really shifting the focus onto the kids at this point we're like because blunt's character is in the she's a she's very you know present in the movie but 
in terms of action wise, like it's Noah Jupe and um, Millicent Simmons who are really the stars in this movie. Oh yeah, no, she's. I mean, it's definitely. I think it's Millicent Simmons's movie. Oh yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean Emily Blunt is of course going to get you know top billing, but but her journey's different by comparison. Like she she basically got her, you know mama takes revenge against the space aliens moment in the first movie with shooting the creature after she, they discover the frequency thing. And this is Simmons's chance to kind of strive in that department. And, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I know I was like kind of like making giggles about it, but like Cillian Murphy, like genuinely hands down, like, you know, if you need evidence for why you need to get this guy into some more movies, it, here's your answer because he's fucking fantastic. And re- really, like the the i love the moment when so that they go they run in they get to a boat at one point to take them to an island where the radio frequency is coming from where they're hearing bobby darren beyond the sea and these feral people come up and are trying to take regan and cillian murphy does a callback to the first time he ever learned sign language from her about diving into the water it's like this wonderful moment like to just set off the action like it's that's a Mm -hmm. beautiful script callback there yeah Um, and i love how like that is great payoff to that moment earlier but i love how they cap off that entire sequence where he pops onto the boat and he has the um the earpiece thing in his mouth like oh, he yeah. saved it because like I completely forgot like oh yeah they stole the thing and then he like pops out and is like oh my gosh like oh yeah yeah I agree like he needs to be in more stuff and uh, just looking at his IMDb page I guess he's been really busy with Peaky Blinders lately yeah 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 that that's true that's true I just I just wish I saw him in more movies because I'm so TV, TV ignorant but um and on a side note he's a good in this movie like the whole the beard the rustic look that he had going on protecting mm-hmm. the kid i'm like oof yeah keep keep it up there bud you're just like man jonathan crane got rugged <laughs> <laughs> like between between him and emily blunt man the bisexuals must have been having a great time with this movie <laughs> <laughs> um and um also ryan isn't it cool how radio saves us all? I know. <laughs> I guess I don't, I don't get why did it have to be this song? Why couldn't they just had like on a loop say, hey, like everybody come out to this island. Like you can, you know, as long as you can get here, well, we don't have I think any aliens. I think they're protecting themselves from people like they ran into on the dock. Like the feral people. So if they, yeah. just, keep, if they just keep it as one consistent loop of bobby darren like it's more of a code than anything else because the feral people might just pick it up and go like not my favorite station but also why were those people like so like cavalier about sound out like there because it seemed like they had no problem making noise on that island because the he can't swim yeah jaiman hansu says the aliens can't swim the only reason they get to the island is because they snuck on that boat I, I when I saw that, I was, I was thinking, "Oh man, here's a shout out to Jason Takes Manhattan." <laughs> Wait, why? What is it with like alien invasion movies and water? Why is it water is always their weakness? Between this and signs, and I guess to some degree, the what's the one War of the Worlds? Because water is like, more micro. Water is like symbolic of like Earth life. So mm-hmm. yeah. Whether whether that, it's and, set to destroy them or to inhabit them, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it, uh, the movie's really clever. And, you know, what's cool is in the first film, they really didn't show the creatures till the very end. And in this one, since you knew what the creatures were, they're just like, you know what? Here they are. <laughs> but, he, but he does know when to not, like, lay into it. Like, I still appreciate oh, that yeah. these visual effects are not, like, shoved in your face. Like, there's moments where these foot monsters are out of focus. Your focus is squarely with the characters where it should be. Um, oh my god the scene where the moment the as they're cross-cutting between everything Noah Jupe and the baby in that stuck in that chamber like I my my freaking like brain was on fire with anxiety going like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god God." (laughs) I know that whenever uh Emily Blunt's character the mom like comes in and she closes the thing and you see it like catch on like that rug or towel or whatever it is I heard everyone around me breathe a sigh of relief. I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, (laughs) (laughs) just like, oh, God, they remember the towel. (laughs) (laughs) And similarly, like, whenever um, the son gets his foot caught in the trap, everyone went, (laughs) (laughs) oh, oh my God, his screams of pain. Like, okay, I would, I would nominate that is the like, terror like the biggest terror moment for in the movie for me is is that bear trap because he is howling in pain and it is horrible to watch mm-hmm. um uh so my other uh question was the, the part where um millicent wakes up um after killing murphy like finds her and like i guess she takes a nap or something and she can't find her gear or her hearing aid and then she wanders outside um, and gets like really depressed thinking that he has walked off with all of her supplies, but he shows up and gives it back to her. If he had planned to like, I don't know why he took her stuff. Like uh, in case he ran into any of the creatures, he would turn it on oh, and, yeah. and kill them. Defend himself. But how did he know that that did that? Did he, because he saw them do it earlier. Saw her use it. Uh, they saw he saw them use it when they first saw him and when he got on the train and she was using it mm-hmm. and he shot that one from behind yep gotcha okay <laughs> yeah yeah and the movie's awesome i yep. it's just shot so I even it looks so cool the part where uh you know blunt sets off the i fucking love emily blunt where she sets off the sprinkler head it just looks cool i mean it's so well made i freaking love jim from the office and it was even (laughs) cool you know at alamo you know the pre-show they had uh the clip from the office where they had the longest the office has been uh without making any noise (laughs) and when kevin eats his candy bar and goes oh oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) really kevin (laughs) it's just fun because I just miss movies being packed. Like seeing that moment in the pre-show and the whole audience is just laughing and cheering. I said, this is what movies are about. This is what I miss about going to the movies. Uh, Would you say the percentage of this film, Ryan was 60, 40 on the 60, 40 or 70, 30 on the sound versus no sound. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, because uh, Regan is the main character. I mean, I think it's her movie. So and, so that means Ryan that movie movies box the box office was really brought back to life this week because the numbers on this thing were fucking huge by the way, um 
the box office was brought back by a part silent, part sound film. So technically silent films have circled back to becoming the predominant form of entertainment. entertainment. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I'm just a fan and uh, it's just really cool. Um, Just a cool concept and the movies work so well and, you know, it's funny seeing, uh, I saw it with Laura and she would, you could see her cry a little bit when it was, um, mama in distress moments, she called it where, you know, protecting the baby help when her kid gets his foot caught. Um, you know, it's interesting how, uh, different people will relate to the film too, you know, in, in the first film, me personally, you know, you, you relate to, uh, John Krasinski's character because you'll do anything for your kids and it just it's a continuation with Emily Blunt in this one where she's she's a badass anyways I fucking love that woman have I ever mentioned that before no but I know yeah we all relate to different things within it I, I related to the whole idea of a radio station saving humanity from <laughs> from noise from noise attracted aliens <laughs> But it's so cool, too, because there's a nice transition in that moment where she hangs her uh, earpiece on the mm-hmm. microphone. Yeah. And it's shot so cool that she is no longer afraid of these monsters. And it's hero shots. You know, it's low. The lighting is a little uh, over the top, but it looks badass. And her yeah. just taking that pole and jamming it in that fucker's head is like, Yes. He clearly um, learned a lot from Michael Bay working on that film that he did with him. I, I still never saw it, nor do I care to. But um, wasn't uh, Michael Bay like executive producer on this film? He's a, he's a you know he's a main producer on this film. He works directly with it. So so uh, it's, it's actually all the producers are Platinum Doom guys. Yeah, because so. because it, it is a Platinum Dunes film, isn't it? I can't remember. Yeah, but it's mm-hmm. I don't think Platinum, Platinum Dunes exists anymore because it wasn't at the beginning of the. Um, film. Yeah, it was. It, Platinum Dunes? Uh-huh. Was it? I don't remember seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, they're like they're technically still in operation because they're putting out the final purge film because that's their uh franchise too with Blumhouse. So they do a co-op with it. Yeah, I mean I saw all those guys uh, in the producers thing, but I don't remember seeing the logo. Hmm. Oh, I, I don't remember. I was just I mean I was I'm not gonna lie, guys, I was shocked to see the Paramount logo again because I'm like, oh my god, they're still around. <laughs> That reminds me, was there anything that happened before it said day one? No. Okay. Day zero. I thought thought it was kind of impressive that when they saw the thing falling from the sky, everybody immediately got up and left. Like, it wasn't even a question of like, hey, some Uh, of us want to keep playing and some of us don't. I don't know. They took a little long. It took the kids seeing it first. I'm like, clearly these guys were too focused on this softball game. (laughs) What's crazy, too, is if you look at IMDb, A Quiet Place 2 on Emily's page is before... Uh, wild mountain time that's how long ago remember this was <laughs> there's a f- episode of real nerds podcast from march of last year where we say this is the f- next film we're gonna see and <laughs> and then the fucking pandemic happened speaking of what are we seeing next week uh next week we'll be seeing the conjuring the devil made me do it oh yeah 
Ryan, Ryan, so, Ryan. I bet you, I bet you 10 bucks that Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are going to fight some kind of demon in it. Hopefully. Oh my God, I hope so. So, uh, thanks for uh, listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Neighborless Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.